I'm sure it's not hard for you to believe that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. About a year ago, I signed up for the Lifetime All Languages Learning Account with Babbel because I'm just that enthusiastic to learn. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed to help you start immersing yourself in a new language ASAP. They also have these cool virtual, very intimate classes that you can drop into and you can interact with other students as well as learn hands-on from a teacher. Babbel's tips and tools are accessible and they are approachable. So if you're really serious about learning that new language, here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Okay, right now you get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash SPQ. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPQ spelled B-A-B-B. El.com/spq. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, girl. Hey, and thanks for dropping into the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. Candid convo for the girl needing a lifestyle plot twist when she's deciding if it's time to switch, pivot, or quit. I'm Ayana Angel, a former sports entertainment publicist in New York City, turned traditionally published author with Simon and Schuster, who quit my old life to write a book live in London for a bit, and explore my dreams to find my happiness and fulfillment. I'm here to help encourage and guide you through your plot twist years as your chief encourager and host of the Switch, Pivot, or Quit podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast so far. And check out switchpivotorquit.com for even more personal and professional development resources. But for now... Just sit back, open your mind, and enjoy the show. On today's show, we're chatting with Aziza Francis, a freelance specialist who currently operates in the world of influencer marketing. But she's touched on many areas of business throughout her impressive career. In addition, she has hosted countless events and workshops to assist women in personal development and personal growth in her native city of London. Aziza is my kind of guest, a straight talk, no chaser type of woman that has plenty of insight that will make your ears perk up and your mind say, aha. So get ready to tune in for an insightful and entertaining conversation as we talk about how to operate in the world of social media and manifest what you want. Welcome to the show, Aziza. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, awesome, awesome. I'm excited for our chat. And to get us started, I want to do a little bit of a throwback. So what was your very first job and what were you responsible for doing in that job? My first job was an editor for a magazine company. Mm. Um, And to be honest with you, I didn't know (laughs) what I was doing. (laughs) Um, I kind of walked into the situation. and the role just fit. So my job was to just create um, entertaining, interesting content that was engaging for young people um, and find a way of involving young people who don't necessarily engage in literature um, into the whole production process. So training them up to be young journalists, getting them to do photography, um, and just really get involved in the whole process of what journalism is. So Mm. That was my job. And then engaging companies and brands um, into the process and getting them to support the young people because it was a free magazine for young people. So um, my first job was that and it (laughs) kept me busy. It kept me on my toes. I'm sure. Um, (laughs) It sounds like it. That's a pretty exciting job. It seems like, I mean, I'm sure that there was like a lot of responsibility and maybe even a learning curve, but that sounds pretty exciting to be, you know, first job. I mean, it shaped my whole um, employment, employment experience. I did that job at 15 years old. Mm. Um, so for me, it was having a whole team of people working with me from your big, big production houses and big companies and just kind of throwing myself in the deep end and not really having any work experience prior. I didn't have, um, I would say a professional 
approach. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But sometimes that's good. The raw and just kind of the real and then allowing yourself to learn. That's good. That experience um, um, helped me understand business because I had to I had to be a part of the process to seek funding. Mm. And I think that was a big shift for me because before it was just create content, create content. And it was like, okay, we need money. Oh my God, what are we going to do to get money? <laughs> so I think that that space gave me that opportunity to really understand, okay, this is what you do when you work with people and when you want to create um, bigger opportunities for a product or a brand you have, there is actually a formal process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that job taught me, okay, like you have to have the ability to present. You have to know how to pitch. Mm. You have to know how to sell an idea in a very short space of time. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just taught me that you have to be, honest authentic and um you don't need to do too much right right I love that you know what it's so funny I mean this is just the first question and we're already getting into this but I love that you say you have to know how to pitch you have to be honest and authentic because there's a lot of um there's a lot of desire out there. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to be something that they see other people doing, but there's some fundamentals that go on behind the scenes that a lot of people probably don't really realize. So that's pretty dope that at an early age, you had a glimpse into that world and operating in that space and what it looked like. And I'm sure it helped set you up for today, right? Absolutely. I mean, some of the some of the most, I would say, um, some of the most prevalent people in the media industry in London trained me. So mm. I remember like the head of PlayStation's marketing department, he had a meeting with me and he showed up late and I was young and I was mad. I was like, why are you late? <laughs> time do you call this? I was like 16. He was like, whoa, whoa, I don't take public transport. I was like, what do you mean? I don't care. <laughs> who you are what your role is you come in to meet me you get on a train and he was like Aziza do you know who I am and I was like what (laughs) and he was like I'm gonna um invite you to an event that I'm having and I said okay cool I went to this event and then afterwards he said I want to sit down and meet with you Mm. and I said I don't have a reason to meet you why would I want to meet you I don't understand you came to the meeting with me late and he Mm. was like I think you're going to be very successful. I just think you need to work on your tonality. I was like, in what way? (laughs) If I'm not pitching, then how does me changing my tonality work? And he said, okay, I'll teach you how to pitch. And we became friends and he taught me how to pitch. (laughs) (laughs) But at the time I was so young, I had no one, I didn't even have work experience. So I didn't know that in the workplace, people be fake. You know, you put on your Mm. office and you like people and you tolerate people. I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. people's roles and what that meant and treating people differently because they're in a higher position I was just like mate you're a mm-hmm. joke mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I love that I love that because I think that is if I'm being honest that's one of the things that I didn't like about the professional world in in the sense of like the corporate environment obviously you know whether you're a freelancer entrepreneur or whatever or working in a corporate environment you're still in the professional world you have to show up in some kind of professional capacity but mm-hmm. When you work for a corporation, there's different unspoken rules, like you were just mentioning, certain mm-hmm. things. You you give certain people passes because of who they are and what yeah. role they represent in the company and things like that. And I'm with you. Like I even, you know, I don't know how things have changed for you, but when I got into the working world, I just knew how to be me and I knew how to show up and do my work. And I really didn't care who you were. It didn't like impress me your status or anything. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't into like kissing anybody's butt for anything either. <laughs> but, but you know, as we learn though, you live and you learn, you see that that is heavily a part of the business culture. And that's what people think that they have to do yeah, yeah. to get ahead, you know? So from your experience, how did that sort of like, let's, let's, let's jump into now and let's talk about how that and learning those things so early on. Um, did that, did your mindset change at all about how you approach people in business? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I moved on, um, to a very big job after that. So before I was even 18, I was a regeneration officer, um, and that was government. So Mm -hmm. I went from like media corporate, Mm -hmm. um, I would call it media corporate entrepreneurial Okay, because I had a lot of free fill in the 
in that journalism editorial job mm-hmm. to working for the government. Mm. Um, and it was challenging because I was so edgy. I was so different, you know, I was so me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the skill set of being tolerable of BS. Mm-hmm. And in that job, I had to learn to be, to survive. Mm-hmm. I think I was there for about four years. Um, and there were times where I struggled. I succeeded in many different ways within my role, but there were times where I really struggled because I felt like I was losing myself. You know, like I wasn't, I wasn't being myself. People wanted me to be something else. And I'm, and I'm not speaking of in terms of the professional capacity. I'm just speaking of just as a person. Mm-hmm. Like my colleagues would eat the same sandwich every day for two years. <laughs> um, and they would talk about me buying lunch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mate, I'm 17. Mm-hmm. And we're all earning really good money. And I know you guys are probably like 15 years older than me, but if I want to have a salad today, it's really not that deep. I don't have a mortgage. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. um, and it was just, it was just very, um, I think it seasoned me for tolerance. Mm. Um, it gave me all the skills I needed to be able to be in the position I'm in today. But at the time I didn't know that. So I felt like this job is going to be the death of my soul. Unaware that this job is just training for my future. Mm-hmm. I love it. And when you say government, that just to clarify for everyone, if they haven't picked up by your accent, you're talking about government in the UK, right? Yeah, the UK okay. government. So I was a regeneration for what you guys would call um, a borough. I think it's called a borough. So let's say you have mm-hmm. like your, let's say you're from New York and mm-hmm. my job would be working for the Brooklyn, let's say Brooklyn, Brooklyn Borough President's Office. Okay. And I would basically manage the regeneration of the whole of Brooklyn mm-hmm. with regards to engaging development around um, youth. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. taking over buildings, fixing roads, you name it, mm-hmm. giving people funding to run their own workshops and programs, whatever it is, that was my job. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so now let's get into today. Um, obviously, as we've heard so far, you've had your own switch, pivot or quit experiences. And what mm-hmm. initially drew me to you on social media was your publicist. I'm always like nosy and interested when I find out that somebody's publicist, because that's my background. I'm a former publicist. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, what are you doing? What are you up to? You know, um, mm-hmm. so since following each other on Instagram, I think I heard you also speak about working in the music industry in the past and things like that so where where do you sort of like see your where are you now what's what's going on in your world now so I had my um switch pivot quit experience and for me it became a personal personal development journey Mm. um it it started out with me wanting to find my dream job Mm -hmm. and in doing that I found myself and in finding myself I was just like I'm always somebody who, whenever I switch and pivot, people think I'm lucky and I always land up in good situations. And at that point in my life, I was like, I'm tired of people thinking my process is easy. So I want to document my journey Mm. and people can take away what they want from that and apply it to their own life and see if it works out for them. And I started a YouTube channel. And I was like, okay, I'm going to document my journey to my dream job. And at the time I was in a job, I absolutely hated. So basically I was, my, my intention was to, to document like a video diary of the switch pivot quit while I'm in it. So people can see it. And in my mind, I thought it was going to be a two year experience and it was less than a six month experience. Oh, wow. So I just stopped my YouTube channel. Um, I ended up setting up my own events company Mm. Um, and I was able to quit my job. I had an online store, an online art store as well. Mm. Um, And basically I just looked at all the skills that I have and all the things I enjoy doing and turn them into, turn them into, I wouldn't, I don't want to sound businessy by saying turn it into profit because for me it wasn't about profit. It was about sustainability. Right. I wanted to do the things I love and be able to pay my bills on time. Mm. Um, I had no idea I would be very comfortable mm-hmm. in such a short period of time. And I also, I also didn't realize like, I'm really freaking good at what I do. And I'm not somebody who over congratulates myself or praises myself. I'm always trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me at the time I was like, wow, like 
you should be paid more for some of the jobs you're taking on events wise because you're just phenomenal and a lot of the events contracts that I had my clients my clients were almost um putting me in a manager position but not paying for the manager service Mm, okay (laughs) Mm. I'm, I'm I'm delivering events and then like companies and hotels are like are you the manager or the event manager like because you seem to do everything um so that was something I wanted to really work on and I was like I don't want to be a manager but I know I'm dope at just making everything happen Mm. um I went to New York um and I met with somebody that I was going to be working with and it didn't work out um but while I was in New York I saw two people on the internet and I was like these two could be something huge but there's something missing and um when I was working at the magazine we my business partner at the time he was running a marketing company one of the UK's leading youth marketing companies at the time so mm. he built that company at the same time we started the magazine so we both started at ground zero and within less than 5 years everything was booming with the magazine and the marketing company um mm. So I just was like, I've been in the marketing space for so long, but I never really um, nurtured the skill set of marketing and PR. Mm. Um, But I was always paid for big jobs as a freelance. So the companies would say, we want to work with Aziz on this project. And I just go and do the project and leave. I didn't go to university. I had no training. Mm. And I mean, I worked with some of the biggest brands you can imagine. Um, And I was young. And my day rate was very high. So I was like, <laughs> and nobody ever said no. Mm. Um, so I was like, okay, I don't want to just be one of those people that write on social media. I do PR. Right. I want to learn and I want to offer, offer my services for free. Oh. Um, so I started working with um, the YouTube couple for free. Mm. Um, and the intention wasn't to do it for free for a long period of time. Right. Uh, my, my main passion is events. So my intention was to do the marketing PR and all their events will be booked through me. Mm. Um, but they didn't have many events. So I was just like, okay, cool. I'm learning here. I understand it. Right. They grew, they grew rapidly. Um, people knew them all over the world. And I was like, wow, that was quick. That was a difficult. So clearly I have a talent here. I, right. I can see that. Um, and then, you know, I got the opportunity to, to really understand the ups and downs of PR mm. because obviously they went their separate ways and, and things happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're working with two people on one platform, it's very different to working with one person solo because you're, you're, you're essentially managing two different personalities right. of camera, but then you're also working with two different types of brands because not everybody's going to book them together as one brand. Mm-hmm. So the guy, I stopped working with him way before they publicly separated mm. um, for a number of reasons. I, am, I feel blessed that I'm able to choose my clients and choose my situation. Um, and if something's just not for me um, in terms of just energetically, spiritually, if something's draining me, I'm not going to invest too much more in it because mm-hmm. it can affect my life in other areas. Right. So, People don't realize that either, <laughs> like, especially when it comes to PR. Like I used to work at a PR agency and the let's we, we'll just call it talent, the talent from that side, it can be very demanding. Very. So you have to, and, and in a lot of instances, I would look up and I'm like, because I never worked with the talent specifically, that just was not my jam. Um, but I was like, you can, as a publicist, you can almost look up sometimes and feel like you're somebody's personal assistant. Especially when, when you're talking about like the real celebrity type of client. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. people don't, people around them don't know your role. And they, because you're always there, they think, oh, that's her assistant. That's his assistant. And, mm-hmm. and, the, and the waters can get murky. So you, I say that to say, you actually have to really enjoy the person that you're working with. Working with. If you don't, um, you can start to really dislike them because there's a lot of BS you got to put up with. Yeah. If you like the person and they're good people and the vibe is there, then you're more willing to do it because you're like, 
it's cool. I like you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. So I, I hear what you say when you say sometimes you got to know, like, when mm-hmm. it's time to separate for your own good, really. Yeah. For absolutely for your own good. So where, so how do you, how do you function or do you function in the PR space? Now, I think you function more in the management space. Is that what yeah. That's where we're at. So I don't okay. function in the PR space anymore. Um, and I, I was just like, I love, I do workshops and I do events mm-hmm. and I love that stuff. So I was just like, I love my workshops. I love my events. Um, and I had, I had contact with a social media influencer who wanted to come to the UK and do some events. And when we had our first phone meeting, um, I was like, cool, like let's do these events. And then she started speaking to me about some of her brand collaborations. And I was like, oh no, 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 you should be doing this, 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 this. <laughs> and I just gave her like free information. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I want you to manage me. I was like, oh no, 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 I do events. I'm happy to sign off on the contract and do your London event for you, but I'm not interested in management. I don't want to be a manager. Mm. Um, it's just not of interest to me. And then she was like, I think you're going to be my manager. You're going to be my manager. I'm like, <laughs> no, I really don't. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Um, she was like, you would make an amazing manager. Like I've met so many managers at crap. Um, and she was based in New York at the time. Mm. And I was like, really? Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't see it. Um, and then I continue to do my workshops and my events, which are mainly aimed at women. Um, right. They're more around like realistic personal development. Like, mm-hmm. let, like we're all not going to follow this seven week challenge or <laughs> 21 day plan. Let's be real. Let's right. just dedicate this day to doing this piece of work on self. So that's kind of what I do with regards to the events that I put on. Um, And I just share a lot about my journey and my story and what I've been through. And I think I was just like, I enjoy that space a lot more than anything else. And I love doing events. I'm happy to collaborate on the event thing, but with regards to management, it's just not where I'm at. Mm. Um, And then some stuff took place in my personal life and I was just like overwhelmed. Um, And I was like, I need space. I need space to kind of deal with some stuff and I'm going to step off and take some time out. One of my clients I was working with before the original two, I was still okay with the one. Mm. Um, And I just said to her, look, love, I'm going to be moving. I'm going to move to New York um, and just chill out for a bit. So I'm not actually going to be able to do any marketing and PR with you or work with you, period. Mm. And she was like, oh. And I, I assumed we were going to go to dinner and part ways. And she said, what is it you're going to be doing in New York? And I was like, I haven't figured out the what yet, but I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, really? I'm coming with you. I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm going to just come with you because as you can see, I'm publicly got a lot going on and... Uh, yeah, I think you should manage me and we should just move to New York. And I was like, uh, manage you? Hell no. You've got all these amazing management companies hitting you up who are huge and have extraordinary budgets. Why would you want me to manage you? I've never managed anyone before. And she was like, you've done a lot for me as a PR. You've done above and beyond what that role was. She was essentially doing the management anyway. Mm. Um, and she just basically said I wouldn't want to give a percentage to somebody that didn't grow with me Mm. Um, she was like where I'm about to go I don't want to do it without you and I was like wow that's amazing like I haven't had honorable people um, Mm. in the workspace or in business and that was my first kind of experience of that and I said, to her, you know what, this sounds amazing, but in order for me to know that you're serious and you're not going to waste my time here, because I'm, I'm dead ass, like I've moved country so many times, you're going to have to move in with me. And I live in a small apartment in central London and she lives in a beautiful house in the countryside with a lovely swimming pool. So I was like, she's going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> And she said, okay. Your test, huh? Yeah, she was like, okay, see you on the weekend. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we work together and I work with her freelance doing management bits and bobs here and there. Mm. Um, 
and we get to travel and yeah, yeah we're just traveling right now deciding where we want to live in this world <laughs> awesome that's awesome I, I mean obviously like that kind of freedom is just amazing and that's what every oh I won't say everybody but that's what a lot of people are um looking for and you work with people that influence the market in different ways. Um, so, and everyone wants to be like an influencer right now. There, there's this lure for that lifestyle. Just like <laughs> you said, figuring out where do I want to live? Everybody, a lot of people feel they're stuck in, in Idaho somewhere, some, you know, crazy yeah. small town or whatever. So can you share like some of the realities of what it looks like from your perspective, working from that management side with influencers in that space and sort of like, what it looks like to be behind the scenes because everyone sees the outside pretty side from the influencer's perspective. But I was talking to somebody else not too long ago and it's like, look, some of the roles that people play now, they didn't exist 10 years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even five years ago. Sometimes. Even with podcasting, there's people that, that are straight like podcast bookers. Who would have known that? Like they book people to have interviews on podcasts. I wouldn't have known that they'd be in such a job five years ago. You know, (laughs) there's like things just rapidly change. So what I want to do is just have you share with us what it looks like from your perspective to be behind the scenes working in a space that I guess you could kind of say is fairly new with the social side of things. I think, yes, the social side of things is very new and social media management is very new. And I think a lot of big companies are now creating social media departments and Mm. having um, social media managers, but they actually don't know what they're doing because Mm. it's not management in the context of music or celebrity. Right. Um, These are real people with real lives. And I think it's very easy to um, train someone to be fake when you manage them in the wrong way. Everybody on social media essentially can look the same, act the same and be the same. Right. Um, unfortunately, they can buy their followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of your big influencers, 50% of their following is not actually their own. There's mm-hmm. a way that I can tell when someone's bought their following or not, or they're growing it organically. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to share that way or do you want to keep it to yourself? <laughs> oh no, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Look at the followers and look at the likes and comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've got a million followers <laughs> and you only have 10,000 likes and you only have 50 comments, then you bought your following. It's, it's that. <laughs> right. Um, right. I think a lot of us are hip to the game. Now, you know what? Instagram specifically hasn't done in a while. I remember some years ago they did this big sweep where mm-hmm. it was like, it cleaned out any like bots, any robotic mm-hmm. followers yeah. or whatever. They have not done that. Now, I wonder if that's strategic on their part because they don't want to out some, some yeah. people. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you're right. They're, they, unfortunately, there are ways now to sort of like manipulate your presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brands want to collaborate with different influencers um, because it's cheaper than doing your... Um, you know, your original way of kind of marketing mm-hmm. um, or selling a product, it's, it's easier to and cheaper to work with a social media influencer. Right. However, a lot of um, influencers don't get paid. Mm. Um, so they might post there somewhere, but they weren't paid to be there. Mm. They may post a product, but they weren't paid to use the product they were given the experience. Um, there is a big divide between uh, black and white influences. Mm. The big salary difference. There's a big opportunity difference. Um, wow. Even though it's a new industry, it's a very segregated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's growing like that from its, its root because nobody understands really what it is um, or knows what it is. And the few people that do, they get to take advantage within it. So in the next, I would say, five years, um, being an influencer will be equivalent to being a celebrity. Celebrities are slowly becoming behind influencers. I can speak from my own client. Some of the leading UK artists don't even have 50% of her following. Mm-hmm. She has more influence than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's original, organic influence. So eventually... Um, 
what does that what does that mean eventually you know the influencer becomes a celebrity but then you have the challenge of maintaining a profile when you're popular and you're not paid it can be damaging Mm. because online you look one way but in reality you might not be able to afford to eat lunch (laughs) right you know what I remember there was a story about a young lady who had like a million plus um, and her following, I think it might've been Instagram. This was a few years ago, but she was waitressing and Mm -hmm. she did, she truly did not have the type of lifestyle offline that people would have assumed that she had Mm -hmm. looking at her online. And you're right that, and I think a part of what's tricky too, is that there becomes this expectation, you know? And then if, and, and some people don't have the support like you, some like somebody like you, or the smarts or skills on their own to actually turn it into something. So then they're stuck in this sort of like awkward space. Cause it's like, what do you do? I think there's also the the challenge with some of the influencers I've seen, because obviously I'm around other influencers other than my client because of like uh, events that we have to go to or even influencer trips and things of that nature. Right. Um, there's a lot of ego. Mm. and some of the influencers are young so for them as long as they look good that's all that matters you know like they couldn't care less about anything else as long as they look good and it's a very competitive industry very little unity um and i and i guess for brands if one person is saying i will do it for free as long as you buy me lunch and i can post an expensive lunch and then another person saying, here's my rates. Yeah. You know, the brands are going to go with the free lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's um, a lot of room for growth in this space. And and for someone like you who has your experience and your background, I'm sure mm-hmm. that it's better, to be, it's better to be a part of someone's journey versus the people that are just saying like, hey, buy me free lunch. Because that makes it hard for everybody. Yeah. So having someone like you around allows for your clients to understand their worth a bit better. And, and I want to ask yeah. you this, uh, two questions. First one is social, me- social media, like we're, like we're discussing right now, it can be a beast on the average girls, like self-esteem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's some people, you know, that just get down by it. And you have, from what I've observed, you seem to be someone who's very in tune with how you show up in this world. What advice would you give to someone who's having a tough time feeling like they're maybe not good enough, maybe as a result of social media and what they're exposed to? Um, I would say, you know, everything that glitters isn't always gold. Hmm. Um, And social media, you have to remember, is always, every individual, this is what I believe, every person that has a social media account has the opportunity to be famous online. Hmm. And you decide how you want to show up online so you decide how you want to show up in your your celebrity you decide what your brand is or what your brand looks like Mm -hmm. a lot of editing goes on right um and there's a lot of fixation on do I look nice does my pictures look nice and it's about finding something within yourself that makes you deeper than the average like what makes you different from another person on on social media Mm -hmm. so you can have 10 girls that will post pretty pictures but there's always going to be one that just stands out and looks different. And it might not be the image and it might not be the caption, but there's a connection that people just have. Mm-hmm. There's always that thing where somebody says, there's just something about you. Yeah, that and it factor. Yeah, that it factor and it's not physical. So I would say for any woman that's going through challenges with like self-esteem and image, stay off the internet and do the work at home. Mm. Um it's okay to switch off the internet. It's okay to put down your phone or put down your tablet. It's okay to say, do you know what? I don't feel good. The internet presents women in a a perfect way. And we have a whirlwind of different feelings, different emotions. We go through so many different seasons. Um, I myself have moments in my life where I just feel like a hot spice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have seasons where I'm like, oh my God, I'm a whale beast. <laughs> we all do, yeah. During my whaler beast season, I'm gonna share more with you 
what's on my mind and my heart as opposed to pictures of myself. Right. Because um, a lot of people now also feel like the internet is a good place to go and reveal your pain. Mm-hmm. So you don't go online and say, check me out. I'm having a nervous breakdown and I feel like this. Have a look at me. Mm. It's not a place to display every emotion. Right. It's literally like your own TV show. <laughs> and you really need to decide what scenes you're going to edit out. Um, and for everybody, whether you're famous, whether you're popular, whether you're a social media influencer or not, I think there's a big disconnect between our social media platforms and our reality. Absolutely. I love the way you just said that. Edit, you got to decide what you want to edit out, what scenes. I love that. Yeah. So it's like you don't need to share your engagement and then your breakup. And I think for me, working with the clients I was working with before, they were um, a social media couple, a YouTube couple, and they, they separated. And I think one thing I've been able to do is nurture my client's current skill set and personality and, and who she is as a, a woman, as an individual, mm. but encourage her to share her, share yourself and share your, mm. your work. You don't need to share anybody else because it's your platform. Mm. When you give too much, you will lose a lot. Mm. Um, so for me, I just think it's very important for people to be mindful. Like you don't need to share everything you love online. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Very true. I said that not too long ago. I was just like, you know, you don't need to announce everything either. Like I was just saying, like, because I, I noticed a few people announcing things that I just felt like we didn't mm. need to know that. Like we didn't. You could have not said anything. It would have been fine, you know? And it becomes a show, like, who are we actually performing for? Like, it's constantly seeking validation. Like, if I'm not going to collaborate with a brand on something, then I don't want to share something. If I'm not going to release a product that's in relation to something, then I'm not going to share it. So, for instance, my client has an amazing body. She shared her body online for a long period of time, but she didn't sell a product relating to that. So Mm. it's my job to find a product to sell, and now it's her ebook. Mm. Mm-hmm. She makes a lot of money selling her fitness ebook. There's no point sharing yeah. something if you're not going to receive something from it. That makes sense. But essentially, you're going to destroy yourself because you'll have thousands of people loving you, and then you'll have another couple thousand people hating on you. And mm-hmm. as a human being, you can say, Oh, I've got tough skin, it doesn't bother me, but that's a lie. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> that's yeah. a lie. Yeah. There's only so much of one person yeah. can essentially take and until you turn it into a business mm-hmm. it's personal mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to make social media your business as opposed to your personal anything personal I believe should be something that you experience in in the physical realm mm. like all this analog stuff that's not real like it's just not mm-hmm. I think people should operate in intent Think about your intentions behind every single thing you do, behind every single thing you post. Um, don't just post for the sake of posting something. Right. Right. Don't just share for the sake of sharing something because essentially everything you post and everything you share is not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. The minute you put it up there, it doesn't belong to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's a business mm-hmm. for you, people's opinion don't matter because at the end of the day, you're getting paid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you can say, uh, I've had surgery and I have a fake butt and you haven't paid your light bill this month. My light bill's paid for the whole year. So I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're struggling, going through stuff and you're posting stuff and it's just like, there was a girl in London I saw online. She posts beautiful pictures. She's a social media influencer, mm-hmm. has no money to pay for her visa ended up on the news with mm. a fund me to get to pay for her visa now oh no you know people can have so many opinions but I mean when you're posting in a luxury apartment she says it wasn't real posting all these designer handbags she says they were borrowed whatever the weather mm-hmm. the intent behind what you were doing led you to a place of poverty mm. if your intentions were pure you'd be wealthy wow <laughs> Mm-hmm. See, 
That's so, exactly why I wanted to have you on because you you dropped those gems. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, it's so funny. Oprah said something in one of her specials one time. She was talking about her staff. She was saying that I got to a place in my show, in the Oprah show, where she would ask the producers, what's the intent behind this story that we're going to mm-hmm. put out there, this person we're going to interview? And when she first said it, it was, I was really trying to understand it because I, it kind of was like, what's the intent? Like, what, what is she asking of them? Because I come from an entertainment background, so I'm, I'm trying to make sense of what she's asking of them, right? Because that's not how entertainment typically works. Works in actual. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so she, she sort of like flipped it on its head. And now I understand way more clear what she means. And it's for some of the same reasons that you just went through because the intention from your person has to be in a certain way. You have to know what you want to come out of it, what your expectations are and the genuineness is there and all of that. And almost like how you can foresee it playing out Mm -hmm. in a positive way for it to be positive. Because if your intentions are bad or your intentions are negative or whatever, then it's probably not going to end up how you how you want it to be not at all. And I think for me, like I have to, I have to stay on, on top of my own intentions and continue yeah. to find the time and make the time and tap out to do the work on myself because my job, okay, everybody understands the term manager, but I don't perceive myself as a manager. I'm the person that influences your influencer. Mm. Hmm. I influence yeah, girl. <laughs> that's all I do. I influence the influencer and make sure that they get paid on time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So I love me, it. For me, like all these influencers, who influences them? Yeah. yeah. That, that for me was the question. Who is influencing the influencer? When I made the decision to step into that role of manager, it was only because I realized that there was nobody influencing the influencer. Right. And the right. influencer essentially has the power to change the world. It's right. not me. I'm not the one with the million followers. Nobody wants to read my positive quotes and, and <laughs> listen to me talk about my journal and my emotions. And they do. <laughs> <laughs> but only a, small, only a small number of people are interested. People are, people are very much interested in looking at beauty pictures, makeup pictures, yeah. um, lifestyle pictures. And body. It's a billion-dollar business, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And the more people get invested in an individual, the more they want to become like the individual. Mm. So, for instance, on Instagram you have the pictures and you're engaged with that on YouTube. We try to give you something a little bit different. If you're on Snapchat, you're going to see meditation. You're going to see boom steaming. You're going to see books that are being read. Mm-hmm. So it's just my influence on my client is essentially my client influencing everybody else. Right. And I'm, and I'm grateful to be in that position, but I also know that it's very important for me to nurture my own growth and my own healing. Um, so that the right things are being put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, this new age spirituality stuff. And it's all like, la, 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 la. But I mean, mm-hmm. five months ago, I had no money. I had no idea of what was going to be next. Mm-hmm. And I said I was going to go and live in America. And I'm in LA right now speaking to you. Mm. Signed off quite a few contracts. And mm-hmm. I'm leaving in two days. I'll be in New York. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just... I visualized this, I meditated on it, I prayed on it. I did all the things I needed to do within myself as a person to be prepared for it in order to prepare my client for it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I'm going to be honest, as much as I say my client is like my sister, mm. you know, it's we have a professional relationship when we're dealing with contracts, but once that's done, it's, it's love, you know, it's family. Yeah, you're invested on a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of managers I'm around, they're just here to cut a check off the client. And they and some of the influencers are young, you know, they're like 17, 18. Mm. Their managers are dysfunctional. I, I've seen managers on trips, drunk, um, mm. high on drugs. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, um, proud about what bags they've got, talking about they're going to go and blow some money. And I'm just like, wow, like this is definitely becoming rock and roll. Like right. this is what I envision rock and roll to be. Like the, the world of the social media influencer is just seeming like rock and roll to me. 
Mm-hmm. And it's okay because I know what position I'm here to play and I know that the intention behind what my client puts out is to be as professional as possible and deliver to the highest level. Yep. But also transition. Like there has to be a transition for influencers. Mm-hmm. So even though the realm is there to to say this is our our world and we're developing this new social media world. You have to be able to transition to something higher. Mm-hmm. And what is that? And mm-hmm. that's that's where we're at now. We're trying to figure out, okay, so you're an influencer, but what's next? And you know what? I love that you touch on that because that's one of the main things that I tend to think. You have to have a foundation somewhere. And like you said, you can be an influencer today and who knows, something can happen and tomorrow nobody's checking for you. You said the wrong thing or whatever Mm -hmm. and nobody's checking for you. So now what do you have to fall back on? And that's not even just for influencers. It goes for online marketers and everything Mm -hmm. else. Even myself. Yeah. I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, look. If, even if you're operating in this online space and you're making money and things are good for you, just be mindful of what you're doing and having a plan. Because if this falls and goes away for some reason, if Instagram shuts down, if Facebook, oh, Mark Zuckerberg's having issues right now, but if Facebook were <laughs> to like disappear, whatever, how will you still maintain? You have to establish some way that you can maintain. And Being in the business of social media, being in the business of online marketing, it is fine, but you should also have something that's grounded in something that you can actually control because you cannot control. So that makes sense. And you know what? I want to touch on this too, because we talked about this briefly or you mentioned it briefly, but I want to want to see what your thoughts are on why do you think so many of us, and when I say us, I'm women, and it could be women of color, undervalue our work and our worth and sell ourselves short. And I know you said that, you know, you were getting contracts and you were demanding certain money and they were giving you the money that you were demanding, but not everybody operates like that. And some people have a hang up with asking for what they're worth. Now you could either talk to us from a perspective of why you think that is, or maybe how to get over that. I think I'll I'll touch on both. I think a lot of people struggle with knowing what their worth is because they don't even know who they are. Mm. So you have a job title and and you kind of ride out with the job title. But in order to acknowledge your worth, you need to acknowledge yourself. Mm. Um, And I think particularly women of, of women, women, I would say women, not even of color, all women. Right. Um, I would say all women at some point have been made to be afraid or have been made to feel somewhat insecure. If it's not by each other, it's just by our environment or by men. Mm. Um, when, when you're growing up as a child and you think of wealth and success, the first image you get in your head is not of a woman. It's a man in a suit. Right. Um, and I think conditioning, mindset conditioning, environment conditioning can lead you to believe I'm a woman. I'm a woman, so I have to work harder. I'm a woman, so it's going to be a bit more difficult. Mm. Um, and I don't want to come across emotional. I know like in the workplace and in business, there's a perception of women. I think a lot of women don't want to be annoying or emotional or do too much and they want to find the right time and you know, the alpha female thing is it's not perceived as a cool thing to be. I would say what what made my situation different was that I was young. So I was so naive. I was a child, you know. I was a child with big dreams and an adult mindset. And I didn't know, I didn't have a filter. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to. Um, and also I was, I was in a very, very challenging situation. During my time as an editor, I became homeless. Mm. Um, so I didn't have a choice. I had to get paid so I could find somewhere to live. So right. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be sitting up in PlayStation's offices, give, having a conversation with you. Every conversation anybody had with Aziza was called a consultation and I charged. Huh. So, I love it. Yes. But, but I was a child, you know, I wasn't even 18 yet. Yeah. So when I, when I got older and I became around 23, 24, I just felt like, okay, I'm stable now. I'm good now. 
I'm out here, but I don't like it because nobody pays anyone. Mm. Everybody pretends to be doing well, but no one's getting paid. This is BS. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I'm just like, if, if I'm 15, 16, 17, and I'm getting paid over $500 a day for a two-hour conversation, how am I 23, 24 working on a job on a set, for instance, and you're trying to pay me $5 an hour? Right. This isn't adding up. This isn't the dream. Right. It doesn't make sense. Um, And I think we're all sold this idea that we need training. Another thing I can't stand is the work experience, the training thing. People ride that till the wheels fall off. Mm Mm-hmm. So women always feel like they're not good enough because there's always a, a element of you that feels like, am I still learning? Am I still training? Have I learned enough? And I would say, you know, once you know yourself and you know your self-worth from a personal perspective outside of your job title or your job role, when you are in your position, because you've done that work on self, mm-hmm. you can see where your light shines. Mm. From, from a non-egotistical space, you can see where you go a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. Like I can see where I care more because I'm in the business of management. Caring more is a very great skill set to have attention to detail and not settling for less. Like even in, in the work I do now, um, what you said earlier about, you know, having something else. I'm so grateful that I was able to support my client in having something else. We don't need contracts and we don't need money. We're good. So Mm -hmm. I can walk into a meeting and say, that's the rate they can say we don't want to pay it and I can walk out and know that we're yeah. good for the next 12 months anyway. Right. Um, right. And I feel like sometimes a lot of us are not willing to sacrifice what it takes to have our own. We're always trying to get a collaboration or work with someone or have someone put us on because going out alone is scary. But a lot of women have all the credentials they need to get by themselves, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And you've mentioned before about hosting events. And I know some of your events and workshops that you have done in the past. Um, has there been any common themes or like struggles that come up in these spaces among the participants? And the participants are predominantly women. But has there been any common themes that you have just like noticed and you're like, man, this comes up every time? I think one of the biggest things I've noticed is that there's a lack of self-belief every time. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the most confident person and the person who's so sure of themselves, deep down inside, they just don't believe it's possible. Mm. Living a certain, when you've lived a certain way for a long period of time or a lot of people don't like their jobs, that's common. A lot of people are trying to get out of their jobs and trying to find some something else and find their purpose and find their passion a lot of women are in that space and I think right for me just just knowing how simple it is like it's it's not complicated like they think there's this big process um and it's it's a simple process all you have to do is make a decision to live what the life you want to live um a lot of a lot of women don't know how to dream Mm. they don't know how to dream because whatever the current situation is is the dream they don't know that they say oh I would love to do this but they speak of it like it's something that will never happen Mm. and for me there's nothing that's not going to (laughs) happen what do you mean like I had a very intelligent woman come to one of my events and she was doing her vision board and she was asking, like, at the end of the event, I go through everybody's vision board with them to make sure that what they're putting on that vision board is something that is emotionally attainable. And when I say emotionally attainable, you can make a vision board, but if you don't have an emotional attachment to what you're visualizing, it's never going to come to fruition. Mm. So you put in a big house on your vision board, but you don't believe you're ever going to be in that house. Why did you put it there? Why don't you just put your flat that you're living in now on there? <laughs> Because that's what you feel like, you know, you don't feel it's possible. Um, And I I genuinely don't mean to come across harsh, but I don't want you to waste your money, you know, like I I feel like I don't want you to waste your money. Like when people say vision boards don't work, it's only because they're not emotionally attached to the images that are there. Like my vision board is exactly what my life is. It took two years all to come to fruition, but I think, for for me, when I'm around women who don't have a vision and don't have a dream, it breaks my heart because that's all I had. Mm. Like, and I don't believe I'm different 
Like, I don't believe there's anything about me that's different to anybody else. In my mind, we're all capable. Yeah. In my mind, we can all have everything. There's so much out here. Um, I'm, I'm here in LA now and there's so much poverty here, but there's so much wealth. And all the people that are rich are bored. There's not enough rich people here. Hmm. They've got all this money and they don't know how to spend it. And what they should be doing is running down to Skid Row, but they're not. Right. Um, there's lots of there's lots of space here. Um, in Beverly Hills, all the houses are empty. They're all on Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like to me, I just right. think there's room for everyone, literally. There's mm. room for absolutely everyone. My wish is that women just start dreaming because I, I, I believe that when a whole bunch of women got it together, the world's got it together. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're the backbone to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I find women are more nurturing and men operate more out of ego. And we're their teachers. We teach them how to behave because essentially they desire us so we teach them how to behave and when we don't things change society changes and we have all different types of things going on now in the world and it just looks all different because there's role reversals and Mm. so much going on and I just think as women we're more powerful than we know we are a lot more powerful than we know we are and we're made to feel uncomfortable and we're made to feel nervous and I just think women can women can rise up and step up to whatever it is they want, like in a job, in a workplace. If you need to quit a job, we have fear instilled in us. Like I had it like, oh my God, I'm going to quit my job and I won't be able to buy a Starbucks coffee. My whole world is over. Like really? <laughs> like you care about Starbucks more than you care about your happiness? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah. No, that's real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just peeling back to basics. Like I did minimalism for a while. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I didn't need much. Mm. And minimalism so, is just paring down your lifestyle and just working with the necessities, right? Absolutely. Like peeling it all the way back in every, from, from clothes to, to diet to finances. And I got really happy. I didn't, I didn't do minimalism because I didn't have money. I just wanted to explore it because I don't like stuff. I just, it's too much. Anything, I can't go into like an outlet it's a too much for me. It's a mess. I prefer to be in a boutique. Mm. So for me, right. <laughs> I was like, I need to explore what this is. And it was amazing for me on the financial side. Mm. And I wish I knew what minimalism was when I was broke because I would have been fine. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm like, why didn't anybody introduce this to me when I was struggling? <laughs> when I really needed it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, my final question for you is what does success mean or look like for you? Success for me is freedom, freedom to do what I want with my day and have all my bills paid on time. Hmm. Um, Success for me is being able to support somebody else to get to where they want to get to in life and it not affect me financially or emotionally Mm -hmm. or take away from me. That's Mm -hmm. success for me. I love it. I love it. This has been such a good conversation, Aziza. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wisdom and experience and um, insight with us. Before we go, let everyone know where they can find you, how they can keep up with you and potentially connect with you. I'm on social media and my social media name is Aziza Who. So it's at Aziza, A-Z-I-Z-A Who on social media. I have a website, um, it's azizafrancis.com. It's A-Z-I-Z-A Francis, F-R-A-N-C-I-S.com. Um, and email me. <laughs> I would say the best way to reach me is via email. Awesome. So it's azizahu at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for chatting with us, Aziza. Thank you so much. It was great. And I wish you all the best with your podcast. And I just hope all the women out there got something out of this conversation. I'm sure they did. Thank you so much. I'm sure they did. And as always, you guys keep killing it. If you're not already following Switch, Pivot, or Quit on Instagram, where we provide a regular dose of feel-good encouragement and inspiration, mainly on IG stories, so be sure to check that out, um, you might want to get down with us over at Switch, Pivot, or Quit on IG. And if you're already following and you're thinking, hmm, I don't regularly see posts from Switch, Pivot, or Quit, you know what you might want to do? I got a good insider tip. 
turn on your post notifications. That means every time we post a new feel-good post, you will be notified and you will be the first to know. So, that is my solution to all the Instagram algorithm problems. And also, don't forget to head over to www.switchpivotorquit.com to keep up with all the goodies that we provide over there as well. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.